You're listening to the Painted Goddess Podcast with Jennifer Hershu. This is episode number 92. Hello, welcome to the podcast. My name is Jennifer. I'm the founder of Painted Goddess and your host of this podcast. I'm also the founder of the Astrologic Lab, and I just want to take a second to give a shout out to all of the members in this community. I am so inspired by all of you, and the way that astrology has changed my life is like just coming back to me full force as I see all of you do the work yourselves and and like have all these light bulb moments. It makes me so filled with joy. Um, so if you're listening, I love you. I appreciate you. And I'm so grateful for your contributions to the Astrologic Lab and the community we're building. If you're not in yet, can I just take a second to invite you to come and learn astrology in a community of badass witches who are absolutely the most amazing people that I've ever met. And I'm super excited that we've all found each other. And there's so many witches doing other things within it. We've got um, just like all of this, you know, magic happening. And so not only will you get to learn astrology in a community of awesome people, but you will also uh, have now some new amazing magical witchy friends. And um, we have each other's back. It's really lovely. So go to my website, paintedgoddess.com slash learn dash astrology, and you can find a way to um, sign up. It's $37 a month. I drop content every month. Right now, we're still in the first year. And um, all the way through Gemini season, basically, Aries season will be the, uh, or I'm sorry, Taurus season will be the last of the, the, basic kind of work that I'm, that I'm the content that I'm creating. And then we're going to kind of switch it up. So there's a couple more months where it's going to be this uh, planetary, you know, inquiry. It's always going to be everything. I mean, but you have to eat, um, an elephant one bite at a time, so to speak. And, um, there's definitely a lot of astrology that, you know, you can just dig forever. You can dig forever and have, the, the funnest time, you know, drawing correlations and learning about yourself, learning about those you love. And I have some exciting um, things coming where, well, we, we have some exciting things coming um, that I'll be letting you know through this venue soon enough. But okay, what do I really want to talk about today? Let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about Mars moving into Gemini, which is happening today, the 3rd of March, as I am finishing up recording this podcast. And I recorded some of this content earlier, and I'm, I'm kind of synthesizing it. But basically, what you're going to get from this podcast is a bit of understanding around what Gemini stands for, what its mission is, what it, or what its signature is, rather, and then the mission of Mars and, and what Mars is here for, what Mars is all about. And then we're going to kind of synthesize that, and I'm going to give you a rundown of 
where it is in your chart and thoughts on what it, what Mars and Gemini might mean for you. So stay tuned for that. I hope that you are having a beautiful day. I want to also give a shout out to my dear Marilyn PNW High Priestess, who has uh, jumped off the, the ledge of Clubhouse with me. She hosted a room last week, and then um, I hosted a room uh, earlier this week. And we're just doing it. We got invites or I got an invite from a, an old colleague and I started reaching out. You have to be on iPhone. It's, it's a very strange new um, social media world platform, but it's all driven by voices. So of course, um, all those of us who have podcasts, we're just like, oh, well, this is my jam. Um, and then we got Corey Hawkins roped into it. She's been moderate co-moderating rooms with us as well. So we're just kind of, um, having, having a good time figuring all of that out. So if you're on clubhouse, go join us, follow me at painted goddess and then, um, or find me by name, Jennifer Hrishu, H R Y C I W. And then you can go see who I follow and you'll find Marilyn in there. You'll find Corey Hawkins in there. You'll find a bunch of lab members and you'll find your people. So I hope that uh, if you want to have a invite to that, I've got a couple, I've got a couple, reach out to me, send me an email, jennifer at paintedgoddess.com and let me know you want to come and join the conversations about astrology because we need more voices, you know, like, it's funny. I always think like I should interview more people for this podcast and I will, and I want, want to, and I want to just put that out there. If you have a topic that you want to talk about that either I've talked about before and you just have your own opinion about it and want to like jam, if you want to voice jam, I think that uh, Mars in uh, Gemini is a perfect time to voice jam together and talk about shit that matters. So let's do this. Uh, give me a shout out. Call me uh, on, call me, um, on the, on the DMS somewhere. Find me. I'm, I'm around. <laughs> find, find me. I'm around. Um, all right. So let's get on with the show. Mars is going to move into Gemini and I really want to talk about it. Mars moving into Gemini is an intense and active transit. The, the way that Mercury rules Gemini, those two archetypes, Mercury and Gemini, are affiliated through their quick wit, through their language, through communication, their charm, the way that they're able to cover a lot of ground quickly. Being a Gemini rising, I have often been told that I talk too quickly. I steamroll conversations, which I could probably thank my Leo moon for, um, or that I have a very direct and sometimes bold or quote, rude way of <laughs> speaking, um, depending on your virgin ears. Um, I may not be for you, but I will say that I do not step down from who I am as I did when I was younger, and it has been um, the work of my life to free others from that terrible cage of self-doubt and worry over, am I enough? Should I say that? What if 
they think something about me. By the way, no one's thinking anything about you. They're only thinking of themselves. And even if they project that onto you, it's none of your business. So there's that. But let's talk about Mars. So Gemini, you know, being this quick-witted, very charismatic um, sign associated with air and mutability, right? Flexible air. What's the air waves, right? We're talking about communication that goes across and through breath the voice, the, the truth, maybe not. <laughs> Definitely gossip could be one of um, Gemini's um, superpowers. Gossip used for good, hopefully, not always, for sure. Uh, definitely um, words of affirmation and wordsmithing. Uh, anything that has to do with communicating um, and, and collective um, kinds of communication. So when we talk about rebranding or language usage, advertising, promotions that have to do with invitations into public spheres, into the thoughts and, and minds of others, right? When I invite you to consider a thought, this is the Gemini archetype. And you have Gemini in you too, by the way, it's in your chart. So one of the things that might be helpful for you as you listen to this podcast is to pull up your natal chart and take a look at where Gemini lives in your chart. My intention for this podcast is to actually go uh, house by house and talk about what Mars being in Gemini in every house might bring up, might pull to the forefront might mean in terms of a transit for you personally. Now, this will be shifted and changed and activated differently depending on other factors in your chart. So this isn't the be all end all, but it is a start. It's a good inquiry. And I hope that you're here uh, to learn and listen. All right. So let's talk about Mars. All right. We talked about Gemini. Let's talk about Mars. Um, I recently purchased, or well, I was gifted by my dear husband who loves me very, very fucking much, regardless of my craziness, um, of which he very well knew. I did not hide. Um, <laughs> he purchased this book from Teshin. Um, they, they created this library of esoterica book on astrology. It's gorgeous. It's full of beautiful pictures. I highly recommend it. In fact, if you're local to Tacoma, Poppy Lion, uh, witch shop and, and salon in Tacoma on Broadway has this in stock and you can go and thumb through it and purchase it for your very own esoteric library. Highly recommend, highly recommend. But I wanted to share with you because the writing for this book is very concise. It's mostly an art book as that's what Teshin does is create art books. It's really very much um, a look book, uh, so to speak. So the words that they use are very succinct, simple snapshots. And I want to share with you, I'm reading um, from page 132, which is talking about Mars. So Mars has a 22 day or sorry, 22 month cycle, which is almost two years. So we basically have a quote Mars return every two years. When Mars returns, it means that Mars is in the same place 
meaning sign and degree in your natal chart as it was when you were born. So 22 months after you were born is when you will experience your first Mars return and on and on and on. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate all that business, right? So Mars is that planet that has a two-year cycle. Now, what happens at two? Everyone knows the terrible twos. I've been obsessed with talking about cycles of planets because this is one thing that I think is part of it's part of our cultural awareness, these this terrible twos. Um, and we notice that our second Mars cycle from three to four, super activated, right? This is where kids often defy uh, their parents the most. They fight back, they break down and have temper tantrums in grocery stores. Um, and I know you're with me if you've had that experience, <laughs> if you've been the mother of tiny dragons. So so Mars has a 22-month cycle, okay? Mars rules Aries, and traditionally, it also ruled Scorpio. So before we knew that Pluto existed, and by the way, of course, there are those that don't um, notice or acknowledge Pluto anymore as a, a planet, which I do not do that because I think Pluto's message is much too important. For me, it's not so much the astronomy, I have to say. Astrology is really rooted in psychological inquiry, inquiry, and it's one of the most robust psychological systems that we have in order to understand our states of emotion, ambition, and on and on as humans. So for me, looking at Mars as the ruler of, uh, the tr traditional ruler of not just Aries, but Scorpio is an interesting topic in and of itself. And I think that the transition from Scorpio being ruled by Mars, where, you know, um, certainly Mars uh, is known as the, the god of war, right? But how does that apply to Scorpio? There's a whole, you know, um, kind of the underworld, I would say, um, that has to do with Scorpio being ruled by Mars. And that's, again, like it's a whole nother rabbit hole. But let's stay focused today. Um, it's natural house. Mars is the first house. Because it rules Aries, it built the first house with Aries. So Mars is associated with the first house in the natural astrolog astrological wheel, which means that um, the the first house is about the some some of the same themes that Mars is about, right? Mars is self-expression. Mars is self uh, self awareness, self esteem. It's the I am. Right. It has to do with our ego, our personification, what we present ourselves as, who we are. I am, we are, what we are, what we are willing to fight for. Mars as a planet in your natal chart, wherever it's placed, will often indicate what you're passionate about, what you're willing to fight for, what you will speak up about, what you will what what you will kind of put yourself in the line of fire for right? What, what you will assert yourself to be, right? You will often name yourself as something that has to do with where that Mars placement is. So Mars in Libra, for instance, you might always present yourself and say, I am a very fair person. 
right? I'm somebody who sees things from all sides. You're more likely to be pretty aware of that part of yourself. So it's one more piece of your natal chart that if you know where your Mars placement is, it's a good inquiry to say, do I really name myself this way? Am I self-identified as this? And if not, why not? Okay. Maybe you have Mars in Scorpio and it feels really good to keep that self-naming very private. Maybe it took you a really long time to self-identify and depart from maybe how people defined you as you were younger, right? If, if they called you, you know, my, my name is Jennifer. I was called Jenny when I was very young. Uh, sometime around um, seventh grade, I started spelling my name with an IE as Jenny, but I was always still Jenny. And then when I was a preschool teacher in my early 20s, that's when I became Miss Jennifer. And Jennifer stuck after that. As a professional woman in the world, I decided that Jennifer was what I wanted to go by. My friends and many people in my life still call me Jenny. In fact, they still call me by my maiden name even because my maiden name is Schmuck. And so they call me Jenny Schmuck. Um, and so there's definitely, um, something around names and I did the numerology and I found out, I was like, Jennifer's fine. Jennifer's great actually. So I went with Jennifer. People will ask me what I, um, prefer and I don't particularly have a preference right now. It's interesting because, um, you know, my natal Mars, um, and maybe I should have looked at this to prepare for this is so funny. Like Mars is not something I focus on and we are in the lab. We're just about to do Aries content. Um, and so we'll get into that. But yeah, that's what I thought. My, <laughs> I don't have a preference for my name and my Mars is in Libra. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, uh, in the fifth house. And so for me, it's very much fun to play with my name, to play with my identity. I went through a lot of different quote unquote phases, you know, as, uh, as an identity, I love to play with, with what it makes people think I am. And that's one of the things that I've um, definitely noticed is that if I put a different suit on. If I go incognito, as I call, I talked about that a lot when I was in the corporate world, you know, people thought I looked very normal and then they'd get into a conversation with me and it was like tumbling down the rabbit hole. And they were like, Whoa. And by the way, most people who knew me, like just from one, a very quick conversation, it didn't take long. It wasn't like I was hiding it, but I did not look, um, very different in, um, in, in, you know, in my, in my dress, when I was in the corporate world, I very much just blended in, became a harmonious part of the identity of the company, which is very much Mars and Libra, right? Until I started going a little rogue and rebel and I got a lot like, eh. and then it was like, well, now the, the countdown has begun for me to move on. Um, so all of that being said, you know, Mars also, Mars represents action, right? It's active. It's, it's a God. So it's masculine. It's that, uh, it's that kind of productive, active, action oriented um, part of the spectrum. It also is associated with war and aggression. 
but energy in general. When we talk about Mars, it's very wands energy from the tarot. For the anatomy piece, it represents the muscles, right? Our physical body, our physical makeup of what allows us to be active. It also rules the adrenal glands and um, our external reproductive organs. So the show, right? The labia, the, the clitoris, right? The head of penises and all of that beautiful sexual things that like, you know, have these um, these presentations, right? Aries is all about that presentation. And Mars is the fire behind that presentation as well. It's definitely um, presenting. So um, the tarot card actually associated with Mars, though, is the tower. So what is it that the tower represents? The tower represents instant change, change you cannot change, right? It's stricken down upon you. It's acted upon you. It's circumstances outside of your control, right? So it it is often, um, you know, Mars is not energy to be controlled. Mars is energy to be engaged with, managed, utilized, channeled, right? When we have a lot of anxiety, perhaps it could be channeled into physical activity, right? When you have really active Mars transits, it's an important piece. And I would say that when Mars moves through Gemini, you will have perhaps more uh, energy to move your body through, or maybe just to speak more energy, to speak your mind, to speak, right? Because it's that Gemini, that air quality. Um, I'd be interested to see how it affects singers when Mars is in Gemini. Because I feel like maybe your range would change. Maybe. Be interesting, right? That. Now, this book also has... Um, so here's, here's what they wrote. Destroyer and renewer. Okay? And this, this in some ways has to do with how they, you know, explain it being, you know, associated to, excuse me, the tower card. There's something about a destruction, destructive energy here. This is very much... Scorpio language, if you notice, which is um, Mars traditionally rules, right? And um, there's a quote by John Noble Wilford from the book Mars Beckons, 1990. Um, quote at the top, it states, Mars tugs at the human imagination like no other planet. With a force mightier than gravity, it attracts to the eye. Oh, it, it attracts the eye to shimmering red presence in the clear night sky. So even today, Mars has a reputation for trouble. In traditional astrology, both Mars and Saturn were seen as malefic forces. Saturn more so than Mars. That brought negative or destructive significations to a chart. This association came from the ancient Greeks, who in the Hellen Hellenistic system classified the planets as either benefic, a good doer, or malefic, a bad doer. <laughs> Although Vedic astrology is um, also includes malefics. As the lesser malefic, Mars symbolized destruct symbolizes destructive energy, a tendency to sever ties and separate alliances. While Saturn, the greater malefic, is about rejection, exclusion, or other forms of limitations. Okay, so notice the subtle difference there between these lesser and greater malefics. Um, 
but what is considered malefic is largely subjective, right, as, as it states. So these changing times, we're really looking at, you know, is Mars, by, you know, we have these this language nowadays, right, around setting healthy boundaries by saying, you know, I have my own independence, my own freedom. Here's what this means to me. And, and in Gemini specifically, too, there's this ability to communicate, maybe, right? This is my, this is my ultimate fucking Mars and Libra hope is that at some point we can get to a place where I can say, here's my reality. Here's my experience. Here's my truth. And someone else who does not understand it, does not agree with it, does not experience that can say, wow, that's your experience. Here's mine it's like mind blowing kinds of conversations. Those are the conversations that I'd like to have because then we get further Then we get somewhere, right? Without that combative, um, you know, space where it's like, we're, we're, we're duking out, you know, the boundary lines. Oh, well, I need more space. You get less space, whatever, what have you. I think it's really interesting when we talk about aggression or physical drive or forcefulness, which are three key words that they use in this book as well, that when we talk about, you know, desire and virility and physical uh, strength, you know, that it's associated with the masculine. And yet I would say that Pallas Athena and her presence as an asteroid goddess in modern astrology, um, you know, brought up mostly by the works of Demetra George have expanded our understanding of what war and what a war chief might do. And even when we look at, you know, uh, pop culture uh, spaces like Game of Thrones, where we see, um, you know, in the war room, we see women taking lead roles in strategic kinds of warfare. And note that over time, over millennia, we have, as women, always been somewhat of a behind the scenes player in whatever actively is put in the world. We just, you know, the credit went to the person who would present it, right? It's just like, you know, Mars being that outside external, it's very poignant, it's very specific, the external sex organs, not all the business going on inside, which for women is much more hidden than men. But we all have things going on inside that you cannot see outside of the skin, right? Unless it's a real, you know, bad issue. <laughs> Unless you're in trouble. So Mars has this, like, you see it, you feel it. It's obvious, you know, and that masculine type of quote unquote masculine, that very yang energy is something that has created reality in the world, right? So it's very much um, a part of our history. It's a part of our ethos. It's a part of our mythology that, you know, once, you know, I'll see it when I believe, or I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. That perhaps things don't exist unless you can see them manifested in front of you. Which of course now, as we understand energetics, is not completely true. So when we we think about Mars as energy and virility. Where does virility begin? It begins in the mind, right? Men get hard. Women get hard because of what's happening in the mind, in the connection between other people, perhaps, right? 
there's a there's of course the physical instinct which mars is also associated with is that primal instinct but that primal instinct for humans is definitely connected to the mind so when mars moves into gemini my thoughts go to that kind of primal nature that is fed by and fueled by and nourished by our thoughts by our mentality by the by the toned uh the tuning and the uh regulation of our nervous system so now we've moved into that's the first quadrant right houses one two three now we're moving into the second quadrant of the the astrological wheel the fourth through sixth house are all about home, right? The first quadrant is about the self. The second quadrant is about the home. Now, what do I mean by home, right? It literally means your family of origin, your childhood has to do with fun and play, how you enjoy yourself, how you um, create, how you perform, right? It's really centered around yourself. And then the sixth house is like really about self-service and that kind of thing, um, or rather uh, self and service, uh, how you serve the community from, you know, filling your own cup. And we'll talk about that in detail. So this, this next quadrant is going to be about still the self really focused on yourself. So I would say Mars transiting through any of those houses, you're still really internally focused. Okay. Any to any transit through the first through sixth house, it's internally focused. It's like, you know, how I read a reverse tarot card, basically. It's internally focused. So it's inner work. You're going to do this work primarily alone. You might express it out into the world, right? But you're going to be internally processing. Now, if Mars... um if Gemini happens to straddle the third, fourth house, that means that Mars is going to transit over that um, fourth house space, that that um, threshold into the fourth house. You know, in the book of houses, this is called your heritage day. I would say that if you have Gemini that spans that part of your chart where it's third to fourth house, you're going to really intensify um, your ability to understand your power and how it relates to your family of origin, where you came from, how you access ancestral power, perhaps. And you might even be able to download, you know, really kinds of powerful stories from the the treasure trove of people that you uh you know have access to. You might ask, you know, you know, family uh, members about what they remember about being young and how um, they remember you when you were really little. Um, because I think, especially in the fourth house, so let's talk about the fourth house. The fourth house is your home and your childhood. It's your inner child. It can be associated also with the mother and that motherly relationship that you have. But let's also remember it's our inner mother. It's the mother we share as well, Mother Earth, um, Mother Moon right? So the feminine, the divine feminine, the great feminine divine. So all these things that have, uh, that are associated with uh, that yin energy of rest and digestion and, uh, and reflection, right? Um, reproduction, right? Not production, 
reproduction? What is, you know, what is fertile? What is nourishing? What is nurturing? What is holding space? What is womb-like? What is uh, fertile again, right? So that fourth house is a really, um, it feels very rooted in that emotional intelligence. And the, the fourth house was built by the moon and cancer. That's the native placement for those, um, that house and, and, and the moon or the sign in the moon, cancer and the moon. So when Mars, when Gemini is in the fourth house, you know, your childhood was probably, you probably had a loud household. Your, your family of origin talked a lot. There was a lot of communication. Now, if you've got Mars transiting in there, there that communication between family members may become strained or intensified. And if there are any, um, uh, maladjustments, uh, nemesis situations, um, old grudges or things like that. You may want to choose this time to avoid confrontation, depending on how, um, you know, healed everyone is from that time, or you might want to dig right in. Mars certainly, again, as re destroyer and renewer has a, an incredible, uh, amount of, power to transform relationships in the fourth house. If what you need is a huge wake up call, Mars and Gemini in that fourth house placement will help you um, hold people to account. And it will help to amplify truth and be understood right? Gemini's aim is to communicate for understanding, right? It's not communicating to, um, to just kind of fog over. It really wants to be very clear and concise. Now, Gemini energy can be a little jackal and hide, right? So if anyone's playing a role or having a double personality or a double, um, oh my goodness, double negative. What's the, um, a double standard. If there's a double standard going on somewhere, um, Gemini has this ability to call it out and call it in because dual nature is its forte. Now, of course there are Geminis. And I think the stereotype is that Gemini uses this to its advantage. Certainly if you're, um, I had a few boyfriends, more than one who were Geminis and they were duplicitous to say the least. And, um, and so, it, you know, young sexually virile, uh, you know, people who are Gemini's tend to have multiple partners. If, 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 if your partner thinks you're monogamous and you're not, and you have to lie to them about it, that's a Gemini thing. I think maybe I'm jaded, maybe, but I also think that Gemini has this, you know, curious nature that allows them to explore things that are beyond the, the, the norm. And I don't think that's inherently bad. Um, being a Gemini rising myself, of course, I've had to come to grips with my own promiscuity. Um, and I am sure that there are a few men that I can think of very specifically that got ca caught in the crossfire of my own uh, duplicity. So I will say that in the fourth house, if someone's playing sides, it might be a way 
You know, it might be a time to say like, let's talk about these two sides. Why would you want to play these two sides? Why would you want to, you know, say one thing to me and say something else to someone else? You know, can we be clear? Can we be clear, you know, focused or uh, uh, more forthright so that we can actually be closer? Because when we, you know, the power of, oh, hi, the power of vulnerability in those spaces is what I think the fourth house can offer Mars in the fourth house with Gemini. It's like the power to be vulnerable, the audacity to say, I think that the lies that we've told to keep we are each other happy are actually creating division are actually, you know, um, at the, at the, we've been, we've been actually losing intimacy we've been losing connection because we're not willing to, to say and look at the truth. So if that's you, if that's something that resonates, you might think about it. I know these, these things can be testy, but on the other side of vulnerable conversations that, that are, that are focused on truth and authenticity and that restore power to the relationship and to the truth, and true to the connection to the trust that you have to have in order to share that truth with somebody even when you've done something wrong it's a very powerful thing it's a very powerful thing to clear the air and i think clearing the air is one of mars in gemini's superpowers so wherever it is in that house it's clearing the air it's clearing the air mutable air that gemini mutable air is movement right? It is the shifting of the wind. It's the changing of the wind. And so when Mars gets there, it's powerful. And it can clear the air really quick in one direction that you thought would never maybe happen. All right. Fifth house. Fifth house is all about creativity and children. It's about fun. It's the house that Leo and the sun built together. And we find our, you know, our, our, our willingness to be seen, our, our hopes to be adored, um, romantic love, casual sex, all of that in the fifth house. This is, you know, sexual pleasure for pleasure's sake, right? It's where we shine too. Fifth house is like how we shine in a lot of ways. If you've got Gemini in the fifth house, you're somebody probably who enjoys a good, uh, debate out in, you know, public, you like to have conversations, <laughs> conversations, you love to have conversations about um, exciting topics and creative topics and how to create different things. You probably, you know, love creating with other people as well. But again, this is focused on the self-fulfillment of pleasure in the large, to the, to a large extent. So it's not as collaborative per se, but again, this is a cross from the 11th house, which rules friendships and society. So, you know, Leo um, built that house with the sun in order to provide a really beautiful center, that heart centered creativity. And it's a really powerful force. Now, again, if you've got Gemini in the fifth house, that means that um, expressing yourself clearly, having a sense of creativity that inspires and teaches is something that you are um, here for it's something that that probably is aligned with who you are. When Mars is transiting through that fifth house in Gemini for you, I see a lot of potential to 
um, create new things that are um, really kind of uh, like not just illuminating, but revolutionary, perhaps, you know, Mars creates power and Leo loves power. That house of the fifth house, it's like, it's like where the power dynamic can get really showy. Now, that may mean that you have this ability to push through something that had seen resistance before and Mars will give that creative project a huge boost. Um, so I would say that it's a really powerful time for you to advocate for your creative projects, um, to push forward your ideas, especially if they have to do with communication or networking in some way. Um, if you have opportunities to speak or be involved in a, in a creative project of someone like co-create with someone else. Like this is going to be a really beautiful way uh, to express that Mars and Gemini in the fifth house transit. Um, you're going to have extra energy, I think for creative time. So if you, and, and be feeling more creative, if you need to carve out some time in your schedule over the next couple of months to make for that creative time, highly recommend that as well but this is going to be a lit up time for you. So Mars moving through that fifth house is just going to accentuate your um, summer fever. Really. It's probably going to feel like, Oh, <laughs> especially, especially while we're still kind of suffering from the, the pandemic isolation chambers of our hearts and minds and houses. So you're going to want to schedule some Zooms. You're going to want to do what you can to social distance, gather and get together with friends and talk about cool ideas and just like, you know, collaborate in some way that feels fun and freeing and um, pulls the spotlight into your realm. Okay sixth house. So if Mars is transiting your sixth house in Gemini, first of all, the sixth house is all about service and health, your career and how you it's to me, it's like this work-life balance where you fill your cup, then you fill others cups. So it's a consistent need for, um, checks and balance. Okay. It's ruled by, or built by that. The sixth house was built by, um, Virgo and Mercury. Um, and this gives it a sense of mutable earth and clarity. When we have good health, we are able to serve in the world. So it, it discerns good health through mobility, flexibility, agility, right? That's what Virgo is concerned with. How mobile am I? How agile am I? How, how responsive am I um, in the real physical world? When I have ideas, how, 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 how can I really create them? Now, if Gemini is in the sixth house for you, you are someone who very likely takes, um, self-care kind of lightly. It's always maybe been very easy for you to take care of yourself being so duplicitous in that realm, understanding that there's an exchange and you, you, you know, you consistently get yours. I think that the Gemini, um, in the sixth house, you know, Mercury is still that, that, um, that common denominator between the, the sixth house and Gemini. So Gemini in the sixth house has uh, much more, um, uh, mobility than Virgo could hope for, right? Because Virgo is an earth sign, Gemini is an air sign, both mutable signs. 
Um, and this also means that you probably have a, a, a Virgo rising perhaps. And so there's a sense too that with Gemini in the sixth house, um, you know, your health is contingent on being able to breathe freely. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you have breathing issues or if COVID has affected you because um, Gemini in the sixth house indicates perhaps lung issues and different things like that. So taking care of your immune system while Mars is in there is going to be super activated. You're going to want to look at how are you keeping yourself healthy? How are you supporting your immune system? How are you, you know, eating your vegetables and all of that stuff. You're going to want to focus on some of that. The other part of that, the, um, Mars moving through the sixth house with Gemini there is that there may be opportunities to, for community service that are going to start in the next couple of months. Maybe you see yourself um, adding to or starting something new. Mars isn't afraid to start something new. If you've got some ideas around how the community could be served in different ways, um, you might start some kind of GoFundMe for a project or um, have the ability to serve in some way that um, is idea oriented, right? Again, drawing on that um, work-life balance piece and Gemini's wisdom around teaching. So maybe you teach your community something. Maybe you're willing to offer volunteer time. Looking at how you can serve your community is going to be, I think, how this transit would really affect you. Mars moving through that sixth house is going to highlight any health issues that you have. You may feel stronger right now, and so that's it's a great time for you to get your checkups and make sure that everything's as it should be, um, because the vitality of your body should be with Mars transiting through it much greater. If, of course, you start to get sick, you might need to look at your stress load, and you could definitely be overstressed with Mars transiting through Gemini in the sixth house, you could uh, really start putting yourself, you know, pressure on yourself for getting things done. Um, you may need, you may feel like you have to really like do it now, now, now that there's this urgency to something uh, that you've been putting off perhaps. Um, so just catch, ch check in with yourself, the stress, remember that the, the, the pendulum swings both ways and that you need to also offer yourself deep, deep rest when you have um, you know, high vibe creativity. Okay. Seventh house. Now the seventh house is all about relationships. It's the first house of the top basket really of a chart and the total top, the seventh through the 12th house has to do with, um, the external, right. External processing the first three. So the seventh, eighth and ninth, houses of that top basket have to do with relationships specifically for the most part, one-on-one -on -one relationships or small groupings of relationships or committed relationships. Um, the seventh house really has to do with relationships and partnerships, i.e. those you're married to, those you're in business with, people who you're making decisions with that affect your life in a fair, in a fairly regular, you know, impactful way. Okay. So generally this does mean our spouse. Generally this will be our business partner as well. It can be the house where our nemesis is like, which is something I've recently been kind of fascinated with that the house the seventh house is the house of the adversary 
Um, and I think that's kind of a charming thought. When Mars enters into the seventh house, possibly that could mean that you're going to war. It's like the war of the roses in some way. With Gemini in the seventh house, you know, I would say that good communication and um, authenticity, speaking truth, learning from each other is a really huge factor in your relationships. In fact, if you don't have that in your relationships with Mars transiting through there, it's going to become very apparent that that's something that you must have that you need. And it may cause some issues and, and, and break up a few things, right? So because of the fact that you might, you know, you're going to have feel that, that feeling of needing really good communication, authentic, truthful communication. If you don't have that in your relationships, Mars is going to be pushing and pushing and pushing you because it's going to start to feel really intense that you don't have that, right? There's going to be a, you know, meanwhile, if you do have that in your relationships, these conversations are going to be lit right? You and your partner, if you have good communication, you've got that as a cornerstone in your relationship, you are going to be so dynamic and, and, and so supportive and, and powerful together. That's, that's going to be a really cool thing, I think. So now there's always gray areas. It's not one or the other. So notice where you communicate strongly. Is it when other people are watching, you know, behind closed doors, are you more likely to make that, you know, searing jab, you know, Gemini does have this sense of quick wit and also can be very stabby with their words when they want to, um, especially if they feel like they're slighted out of like true authentic communication and connection. So I think it's important to just look at where is it that you're getting good communication and where does it falter? And then perhaps, you know, use that insight in your relationship and allow Mars to help, you know, push you through that tunnel of having that first conversation. Remember Mars and that Aries energy, okay? That renewal and destroyer archetype of Mars, it's willing to go first. So if you need to be the first to apologize, first to point something out, the first to say, we need to have this tough conversation. Mars is going to be there for, for that. Okay. Mars is here for it. All right. Eighth house. The eighth house is about shared resources, transformation. It's about intimacy and sex, death, rebirth, taxes, inheritances. It's a very interesting house. It's the house that Scorpio and Pluto built, originally built by Mars, right? So if Mars is transiting through this house with uh, Gemini there, first of all, Gemini in the eighth house, you know, you probably like to talk dirty during sex. Just going to say that. I think, you know, words... Um, and, and, you know, talking gets you riled up, uh, having that there, I think is something. I don't think that just because you don't have that, you don't like that. I'm just saying that that might be something that, um, that you hadn't thought about as a, as a, an association. Um, the other part of it is that you communicate through your transformations, right? I, I think there's a lot of people, I'm not this way when I, when I hear somebody talk about their journey through transformation, it brings up a lot of shit for me because I'm not somebody who does that. I usually don't say, you know, I had this time and here's this thing. And I was, I went through this dark night and then, and then everything changed and here I am. 
it's to me, it, to me, I just, I have a hard time voicing that. I have a hard time through, you know, through that journey. Now that's not to say that I don't see value in it and I don't, um, you know, put together those timelines. It's just, I, I don't often, um, and maybe, I don't know, like, I don't know if that's what that's about, but sharing your experiences in that intimate way, Gemini in the eighth house, they want to, um, they want to be so ingrained in community and have that connection be like full contact, I think. And sharing resources when, you know, with that Gemini in there, um, it lightens the load of that house. Oftentimes that house can feel a little sticky. It can feel a little dark and twisty. Um, it can feel really charged with uh, suffering or pain because ultimately when we feel pain is when we're like, something's got to change, right? Like oftentimes as humans, if we're comfortable, we don't change, right? We, we just stay the same. It's like when it finally becomes uncomfortable enough, then we will make the changes, right? This is why we wait until we're very sick in order to change the way we eat and all of these things that lots, lots of people do. In the eighth house with Gemini there, I feel like Gemini is able to kind of lift the vibe of it a little bit, take it to the air, right? Because Scorpio and Pluto built it, even though Mars built it originally, it's a very, you know, has that deep water feel. It's dark water, right? It's something that, you know, we, we have sex behind closed doors generally. Um, maybe you're an exhibitionist um, with Gemini in the eighth house, <clears throat> like having sex in cars on transport. Uh, you like having sex somewhere where, you know, you're moving um, or in public even. That's, I want to know. In curious minds. I need lab data. So if that's you, you have eighth house Gemini and you like just love having sex on trains, like just I need to know. Um, so or <laughs> sounds very creepy. OK, it's data, I promise you. OK, so so with Gemini in the eighth house, you know, having that having that communicative intimacy, right? Intimacy is, is cultivated and created through conversation, through community. It may be shared amongst many. You may not be very like monogamous, uh, you know, I would say polyamorous folks maybe. And that might be another data point. I'd love to know if you're polyamorous and you, um, and you have Gemini in the eighth house, that's an interesting data point for me. Um, but I think it comes through in a way where we are also very open to share, um, you know, more than more than some other placements might be with the eighth house. So when Mars moves through that eighth house in general, we're going to see, you know, passions ignite and, you know, sex is going to be really good, I think. Um there may also be, you know, this proclivity towards finding power or negotiating power through sex or other intimate acts. So noticing how, you know, we're trading, how we're prostituting ourselves. I think, you know, uh, when we work for money, you know, whether you are a sex worker or not, you're, you know, in some ways, you know, um, trading things that are valuable to you. Um, for, for, for sustenance. And, and when we are in that, um, place with Mars there, that is going to be exacerbated. The power dynamics of intimate relationships might really come to a head. And, 
And that's what you're going to be probably dealing with focusing on understanding. Um, yeah. All right. Ninth house. So now we're um, in the last quadrant, the ninth, 10th. I'm sorry. No, we're not the ninth house. Okay. The ninth house is the last house in that relationship quadrant. It has to do with mental exploration, travel, um, you know, worldly wisdom and fruition, the, the things that are, you know, expansive and growth oriented, the things that help our minds see beyond the boundaries of our daily life. Right. And so, and it was built by Jupiter and sat and, um, well, and, uh, Sagittarius. So, this is a very optimistic placement uh, or a house. It's a house where we, you know, again, we grow and we expand and we seek knowledge with Gemini in the ninth house. This indicates that you're someone who may have a very um, active travel life. You love to go live in other cultures. You love to learn languages from other places um, it's a real core value, perhaps, of yours to learn from people who are not like you and to understand others in a deep and, and communicate, like, and have conversations, not just have like book knowledge, but literally, like, daily, like, oh, watching that person, oh, this is how they work, right? Um, and this could be even um, as simple as understanding, you know, um, someone's morning routine kind of thing. Um, you might be obsessed with, you know, morning routine videos or like makeup videos or, you know, seeing other people do things that you wouldn't do yourself and, and learning from that. So, um, yeah, you're definitely an education junkie. You're probably been somebody who just seeks the knowledge all, all the time and also are, are an excellent conversationalist when it comes to sharing that information. When Mars is transiting through that house for you in Gemini, I would see just you probably signing up for another course. You're probably going to want to start some new education or use your education to create a new power structure for you, perhaps um, to, to ignite some new passion of yours that you've learned um, uh, to, you know, perhaps even joining um, a learning community like